on today's Compassion Radio. Describe to me what it was like for you when you knew, at least the first time, we have just saved a life. Oh, my gosh. It was one of the most profound things individuals would say, you know, I don't know how I found this website. I was looking for easy ways to kill myself. It's like an onion. When people, when they first reach out to us, it isn't, hey, do you know where you're going to be spending eternity? Why do you want to hurt yourself? We peel back those layers, and then we get to a point where they're like, okay, what's next? Then we introduce them to Jesus, the Savior. After a couple of years of big challenges, like pandemics, political instability, and now a war that's taxing the economy and resolve of the entire world, is it any wonder that people are having a difficult time coping with the stress? Well, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and from a redemptive worldview, that means a renewed focus on spiritual struggles and divine power to transform. There are many, far too many, who feel hopeless. Well, Compassion Radio is here with the stories of how God is changing lives. Probably the most important front line of all in this battle is not so much a place as a state of mind. From what could have been another senseless tragedy, the Lord spun today's guest around and sent him on a whole new trajectory. Since then, he's been at the center of one of the most successful life-saving operations in the world, and he's just getting started. On Compassion Radio today, we're going to dig deep into one of the biggest issues that's facing the world today. It's a missional need. It's a crisis, but it's not the coronavirus. The crisis we're going to talk about today is what's happening to people who have never had to face the kind of isolation they're facing now, especially for generations that are media-centric. They're used to reaching out to people with their media, but it's not the only way. And something gets lost, I think, when we don't understand the difference between isolation and solitude. Today, we're going to talk about what isolation does to people, where the church is doing a good job helping those who are isolated, and where it's not. It is at the very heart what this ministry we're going to talk to is about. Mario D'Ortenzio of Death to Life, welcome to Compassion Radio. Hey, brother. How are you? I'm doing as well as can be. Of course, our family's going a little stir-crazy like everyone else's is as we sit around waiting for opportunities to get out and go do something. I hear you. But we have space. I mean, we live on a farm here in Texas, so we've got some acreage. I can send my 11-year-old out there to go explore and just say, don't come in until dark. So we have the ability to to be out there and to just celebrate life in that regard. But we are feeling a bit lonely in some ways. Our whole life is built around these kind of relationships where we get to go talk to people, hear the wonderful stories of what God's doing in their lives. God has done Mm. something amazing in you and through you over the past 10 years. Tell me what Death to Life is. Well, 12, 13 years ago, my wife and I, we had four beautiful young ladies, and we were going to attempt to have a little boy. Hmm. My wife got pregnant, very, very excited about possibly being a boy. And if not a boy, we just prayed that it would be healthy. And my wife said, hey, why don't I go to the doctor to see what the baby's going to be, and I'll surprise you with a phone call. I got all excited about it. So she went to the doctor a couple hours later, got a phone call, and Carrie, my wife, was crying. And she said that the nurses and the doctors found something wrong with the baby. And by the way, it's another little girl. You know, brother, I'm one of those deals where when you get some horrible, horrible news that you can't control, yeah. uh, either it be a disease or somebody that's passed away. We're living in a world today where there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of pain and heartache. But when it's your reality, when it's at your doorstep, 
it's you can't breathe mm-hmm. you know you're in a very dark place and to make a long story short our youngest daughter reese was born a year later and she was born with some very gnarly disabilities mm. she can't walk she can't talk she was born with a very rare syndrome called the cardi syndrome and it's so rare that the doctor that diagnosed our daughter said I have no literature for you. Uh, you're going to have to Google it. That's kind of the worst thing to tell somebody to do is you have a couple symptoms. What do you not do? You do not Google your symptoms because, you know, you have a few days to live um, is what Google usually tells you. But my wife said, hey, I want you to Google this syndrome, a Cardi syndrome. This was after she was born. And I Googled it and they were pages uh, in loving memory. Mm. And I mean that took me to a place where I was rock bottom. Yeah. Uh, I've been a believer for 20-some years, did ministry for a long time, worked with a, an organization called the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Mm-hmm. I was an area director for them for a while. And brother, I'll tell you, it's when you are, like I said, you're rock bottom, uh, and all you have is a Savior, um, you have a tendency to look at your relationship with the Lord a little bit differently than what you have in the past when everything was going well. Yeah, I was very, very rock bottom, even to the point where I was even contemplating, okay, I'm going to have a daughter here that's not going to be able to walk, going to be able to talk, and I'm having all these doctors telling me how horrible it's going to be, even worth living anymore. And my wife, Carrie, she was in a horrible, horrible place too, not as black and white as mine. To fast forward, God really, really opened my eyes to our daughter, Reese, and her purpose in this world. She is 12 years old today. 12 years old. She can't walk. 12 years old. Again, she can't walk. She can't talk. Deals with seizures on a daily basis. But she communicates in her own unique way. She is the absolute light in our family. She's transformed all of our daughters, all of us our whole extended family, our lives, uh, in a very, very radical way. And through her birth, my wife and I launched in 2009, Death to Life. And what, what it is, is, is we reach specifically youth around the world that are truly, truly in a dark place. Okay, Mario, let me redirect for one second here. Yes, sir. The story you're telling would be a, a story of suffering, a story of learning how to love in difficulty and becoming a long-term caregiver. That story in itself is a full course. And right in the middle of that, you drop the bomb of you feeling suicidal in your situation, which, as we both know now, especially, is completely counterintuitive and completely irrational in the situation you're facing. Because your daughters, the four you had, and your wife have never needed you more, have never needed your love more, and you've never needed love more than at that time. And yet, the specter of suicide wants to sneak in there and destroy everything, including the need. It's, and it convinces us that if the need will just go away, everything will be better. So none of this exactly. makes logical sense, and it makes me angry when I hear it, but I get it. I get that there are places that even the most committed believers, when they hit the rock bottom or hit a wall of despair that they never expected to, the bad thing is happening to me. They go to very dark places. Mm. Brother, you know what? I get the opportunity to share a lot, like I'm doing right now about D2L, Death to Life, and kind of our testimony. And I'll tell you this, in 1982, I burped a prayer. I gave my life to the Lord. Mm-hmm. 
at an FCA event where a professional athlete gave his testimony and uh, athletics were my identity. They're mm. who I was. And yeah. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. And I'm like, okay, I want that because this guy that is my hero says I need to do it. Right. So I, I lived, I lived all that time, brother, went to Christian school, went to church, you know, knew the Bible verses. I knew about, you know, the importance of Jesus, but I'll tell you this, and this is the crux of my testimony and who I am as a believer. I burped a prayer. I gave my life to the Lord when I was a young kid in 1982, but I didn't really truly understand mm. who Jesus is as Savior and Lord until my daughter was born in 2007. Indeed. Because that's all I had. That's all I had. I couldn't lean on my wife. I needed Jesus as Savior in my mm. life, and that happened years and years and years later where I truly understood okay, this is who Jesus really is. I mean, it isn't just the things that I learned at a Christian school or a church. This is who he is. He's Savior and Lord. But a lot of times we're going to church or growing up in the church or growing up in a Christian family, growing up in America, we don't really, really understand Jesus as Savior. And that's where I am. That's kind of where, you know, my testimony starts. Mario, let me ask you a question. It might be a bit of a rabbit trail, but you talked about discovering Jesus as Lord who he really is, the real Jesus, not the one that is the champion of the hero you want to emulate, not just the guy who takes care of problems, not just the one that seems to have the right moral code, but the Jesus who finds you where you can't find your way out. And yet you said earlier that you kind of discovered something very special about how your daughter has transformed your family one by one. Is there something about her life that somehow you see as being the love of Jesus to you? Oh, my gosh, what a great question. You know, she was born, the world pities her. The world feels sorry for her. Hmm. A lot of the world looks at her and says she shouldn't even be alive. She can't do everything that the normal people can do. But her life, I realized, and it was a total transformation in my heart and my head, understanding that this young lady has just as much purpose Mm. As I do. And just in those short 12 years that she's been alive, brother, I've seen lives transformed all around the world because of her. And she's never said a word. Because of her, we launched D2L, Death to Life. Mm. Because of her life, her being born, when people come to us all around the world, I can say, you know what? I understand what you feel like. I understand where you are. But you need to understand that you were created mm-hmm. with a purpose. And how do I know that? Because I live with this young lady yeah. every single day, and I see the love of Jesus. You're speaking to one of the deepest philosophical questions I think there is about what salvation means. Because mm-hmm. I, I believe that you know in your heart of hearts that God has saved her. And because he has saved her, and there'll be a time, maybe heaven to come, where we'll discover what all that meant and who all she was intended to be, both here and in heaven, that you have great hope that God knows and cares and is actually rewarding you and blessing you because she's here. Mm-hmm. The fruit outside of your own family, Mario, is evident. Because God put you on this path through your daughter's life. Others are finding new life in him, and lives are literally saved, and people are alive today because of the inspiration and the calling that came out of this. Friends, there are people all around the world right now who, because of an overpowering sense of isolation, are considering the unthinkable. Maybe that person is you. 
I hope you'll stick with us for the second part of today's powerful interview with Mario D'Ortenzio of DeathToLife.com. I'm thrilled that you continue to partner with us in times like this, this unusual media ministry that we are, bringing you the frontline kingdom news you probably won't hear much about anywhere else. Thank you for how your courage and faithful giving keep us on the air, in the arena, standing with you to help the kingdom keep growing in the 21st century. Here's how. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. Our mailing address is Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Give as the Lord enables you. We can't do this work any other way than with you. Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Sometimes it causes me to tremble, or tremble. Were you there when they laid him? are literally saved and people are alive today because of the inspiration and the calling that came out of this. So let's move on to the next chapter, if you can. Tell me what Death to Life became and why your daughter has sponsored this, so to speak. Well, 2009, like I said, my wife and I, we launched D2L after going through a couple of years of real transformation in our hearts and our head. We had a deep, deep desire to reach kids and specifically youth, but obviously any age, individuals that really had no idea who Jesus is. It isn't the American Jesus, the American Christianity. (laughs) You know, it has nothing to do with a political party, has nothing to do with, you name it, we want to share the Savior, Jesus. When you're in the darkest of darkest times, he's the one to lean on. We launched D2L in 2009, and and in 2011, Google reached out to us. Hmm. They said, hey, we're noticing the traffic that you're getting and why people are going to your website. We'd love to partner with you if you guys have tools for these kids, for these people. In 2011, we partnered with an organization called the Hope Line. Mm -hmm. They're the largest online counseling organization in the world, and we partnered with them. We've been partnered with them ever since. And God has just really taken it to a whole other level. So, Mario, let me ask you how Google itself discovered you. I mean, that does not seem like a normal thing that Google, this great monolith of Internet technology and power, <laughs> just scours the Internet on its own and says, oh, I like these guys. What was it you think that 
that triggered them to say, even if they're not part of our camp, even if they're not our politics, whatever, they're doing something and we're seeing it, we're noticing it, that we need to be part of that. I had a friend in this world for a profession. It was one of those deals, brother, where my wife and I would kind of scratched our heads and why would Google, you know, kind of the enemy of the American Christian church, why would they want to partner with us? And I had a good point made to me saying, you know what, there are a ton a ton of websites out there that can teach you how to kill yourself painlessly and quickly. Hmm. Google's like, you know what, if we allow those, then we need to allow other organizations that want to talk about life Hmm. and want to talk about helping those individuals. So that's, and still, you know, 2020, it's kind of our reasoning why Google approached us. Okay. So Google approaches you because... I would say it's a divine appointment. God put you in front of them. Yeah, most definitely. So you team up with Hopeline and you do something. Yeah. What's the first thing you did and what happened? We offered 24-7 counseling on our website. Hmm. And the, with the relationship with Google and the relationship that we have with individuals that are the influencers, that are celebrities, they're the groups of people that minister to different tribes around the world, skateboarders, BMX, music, Hollywood, you name it. I mean, we have some of the biggest influencers of those tribes around the world, and they promote what we're doing, and they point the kids back to our website, and we're able to counsel them any time of the day, 24-7, God just continues to bless it. And unfortunately, with the world that we live in today, with the corona, our organization has taken another big step in reaching a whole bunch of people and having to be used in a very, very profound way. Okay, let me get a little snapshot of the beginning and a snapshot of the beginning of the age of corona. Tell me about your first day when you hang up your internet shingle up there and say, we're open for business. If you're having an emotional crisis right now, you can talk to somebody live this minute. Tell me about that first day. Oh, I mean, it was when we first launched the Hope Line, we would get reports from our partners, the Hope Line, about the kind of individual that was coming to our website looking for help. They would share stories with us. They would share different counseling sessions. And in the beginning, like today, it was very, very evident that there are a ton of hurting people hmm. out there that need a lot of help. I mean, brother, we've had young kids from seven years old wow. to 85-year-old great-grandparents who are alone. They're lonely, and they, they don't want to do this anymore. But we're able to see through our relationship with the Hope Line, it's an awesome partnership because they acknowledge, okay, we're able to do what we do. On the counseling end, because you guys, the D2L, brings the traffic to us, and we're not able to do what we do with D2L without our relationship with the Hope Line. It would be a vain hope to be putting out there that things can get better if you have nowhere to go to get the help. So describe to me what it was like for you when you knew, at least the first time, we have just saved a life. Oh, my gosh. It was one of the most profound things in the world when the Hope Line would send us conversations of individuals that would say, you know, I don't know how I found this website. I was looking for easy ways to kill myself. And your website pops up. And I don't know why I'm here. I'm planning to kill myself tonight. And one of our counselors would get a hold of them and have a 90-minute conversation through online chat for an extended period of time. And this individual, being a young kid or an older individual, 
would be, okay, this is why I'm here. I want to kill myself. And it gets to a point after a long period of time, a long intro that I don't want to kill myself right now. And I'm interested in what you guys are sharing with me. Can I come back tomorrow? It's like an onion. When people, when they first reach out to us, it isn't, hey, do you know where you're going to be spending eternity type thing? <laughs> yeah. Why do you want to hurt yourself? Why do you want to die? And we peel back those layers. And then we get to a point where they're like, okay, I no longer want to kill myself. What's next? Yeah. Then we introduce oh, yeah. them to Jesus, the Savior. And it's a no-brainer. I mean, we've noticed the percentage of those that want to follow Jesus is crazy high compared to, you know, just initial kind of evangelism. But Okay, so you have people that have allowed you to get close enough to ask a question, and they've been brave enough to answer it. And then you propose something that is, in any other circumstances, a radical notion. There is a God who loves you and a person who can meet you right now, right where you are. And they have been softened enough somehow by the Spirit to say, yes, I want that, and I believe it's possible. And you're working them through these stages of growing out of a disbelief. We have a whole world mindset that is set on disbelieving, and yet we believe certain things without qualification whatsoever. So we know that there's a kind of a schizophrenia in the modern culture. We are supposed to be skeptical of everything except the things that we don't want to challenge. So there you are presenting this. Let me ask you one more question about that encounter. I'm going to guess, Mario, that the counselors there that are doing the job of actually receiving those you give to them have to give you information, too, about the ones they couldn't save. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, we get it's not all rainbows and teddy bears. Yeah. Well, a lot of the time it's they clicked off, they hung up or they canceled the chat and we don't know where they are. And then ultimately we hear from somebody at the end of their life. But I'll tell you this, bro, this was another answer to prayer and it helped put everything into perspective for me. We were counseling a young girl. She was probably about 15 years old. Mm. For about two years, we counseled this girl and this young lady she gave her life to the Lord. She got baptized. She got discipled and everything through us. And Bill communicated with the same counselor that reached out to her on day one. She ended up taking her life a couple of years after she reached out to us. And we were blown away, but the mom reached out to us. She told us how she was very grateful and that we did what we did. You know, I mean, that was kind of like, okay, you know what, God, you're in control. Yeah. You understand what's going on. and We need to be staying obedient to the uh, the calling that you've given us, yep. and, and he'll take care of it. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not all, you know, rainbows all the time. We'll be back with more of the moving testimony of God's saving hand at work in thousands of places that the body of Christ has not been able to reach until now. Mario Diortenzio of Death to Life has much more to share on tomorrow's broadcast, so plan to tune in then or catch the podcast on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. If you know somebody, maybe you, who needs a kind and capable friend to walk through a dark place right now, head over to deathtolife.com. That's death number two, life.com.
We treasure your prayers and support as we pursue all that God has for us. If you'd like to support the work, your gifts are always welcome at our CompassionRadio.com website or by phone at 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right from your phone or write us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. That's Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. We love you, friends. May God's resurrection power be alive and well within you today. Join us for the next Compassion Radio or online at CompassionRadio.com.